Thank you very much for your welcome this week. Uh, Margie and I have had a fantastic time. We've realised the uniqueness of our, our visit. Um, that we get to, to uh, meet you during the week, we get to uh, hear your stories, and uh, that you can't get in just a one-day visit. And so we've loved hearing that and seeing the evidence of the Holy Spirit transforming lives in your church here uh, in your parish. Um, and, and new people coming on board. We've been associated with Inverell for a little time um, over the last 26 years. For, well, for 14 years we've had quite a bit of contact here. And so it's just wonderful to see people still persevering, following Jesus. And I uh, just wanted to encourage you uh, with that unique view that Margie and I have in being here with you for a, for a week. Uh, so thank you for your warm welcome. I had, had a great time with you and especially the, at the Wiggs place with Bobby and Phil who have um, who've, uh, put up with us. So I put us up. Um, <laughs> so um, that's been lovely. And uh, thanks to Adam and the team for uh, organising a great week. Thanks. Well, I'm calling this morning a strike a light, as you can see. Um, partly because I like saying it. Strike a light! And I realise I say it an awful lot. Perhaps I shouldn't say it so much. Um, but uh, I like the saying, but it also reminds me of what happens uh, when we open our Bible. It's always lighting up our hearts and our minds. Uh, just when we thought we'd heard it all. I'm going to pray that the Lord will do that in us now. Let's pray. Lord, we really do need to hear your voice this morning again. Uh, as we hear your word explained and applied to our lives, by your Holy Spirit, please give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that want to follow Jesus more and more. Amen. Well, let's talk about eyes. Uh, you know that uh, transplanting eyes is uh, still a fair way off because of the beautiful complexity of that attachment between the, the optic nerve and the brain and the eye. It's wonderful. Another thing about eyes, you need light to see, don't you? Don't believe me? Okay, what's that letter? Good. 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 Uh huh. Uh huh. Got a few dropouts there. Well done, the young eyes. Joe, you seen the X? Excellent, Joe, ready? No. <laughs> Okay, it's why, just in case you wanted to know. We need light to see. Have you ever tried to read those ridiculous instructions on those stupid little ointments? You know, even with your multifocals on, you still need light. You've got to, you know... Anyway, uh, we need light. So without light, it's very frustrating. And without light, it can be also dangerous. If you've driven down one of the roads out, out of town, and a motorbike approaches, and as it passes you, you realise it's not a motorbike... It's a large vehicle with one headlight. Yeah. How scary is that? But there's another type of seeing, isn't there? There's the seeing we do with our minds, with our understanding. And so we'll say things like, I can't see what you're saying. Like when somebody's trying to explain the strengths of a footy club, like Manly or something like that. We say, well, I can't, I don't know what you're saying, but we mean I'm not seeing seeing what you're saying. We might say, I'm not seeing clearly, but we mean, I'm not understanding clearly. So seeing with our minds is another type of seeing. But like seeing physically, 
or not seeing. Gaining understanding can also be frustrating and also incredibly dangerous, as we shall see. And Jesus links those two kinds of seeing all the time. Uh, We heard it in the blind man event today. And it's also in the psalm that we read. So let's check it out. And I'm really hoping there's going to be a heading up here here. Seeing wisdom. Okay, so this is a psalm reading. You can have it in front of you if, it, if you'd like. Here it is, a psalm 119. The, the, uh, all 176 verses are promoting God's word. The longest chapter in the whole Bible. I wonder what God's trying to say to us just by that. But let's focus on verse 105. It says, God's word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Well, here's the technology of the day, uh, the lamp that was being spoken of here, just a pottery bowl with a bit of flax in it and burning olive oil. And you can see where uh, Scripture Union got their logo from. Um, It's uh, no brighter than a candle. There's not much of a light, really. In fact, um, the candle is there for Scripture Union because that's their foundation verse. Your word is a light to my feet, a lamp for my feet, and a light for my path. But you'd think they could have chosen something with a bit more grunt, don't you think? Like a candle, yeah, sure. Why not something with grunt, like a lighthouse, or some landing lights, or even a pair of these ARB intensity LED V2 driving lights? There's about 3,000 candles worth of focused light coming out of those bad boys. But there's more power in God's word than we sometimes think. Let's have a closer look. You might not light up a whole city with a little bitty lamp, but compared to absolute darkness, there's a huge difference. The smallest amount of light scatters darkness, whether it's a candle or your mobile phone, Or this little light in my key holder. I can get into a whole house with that little light. Our house. Just in case you're worried. There's any police in the uh, congregation. Um, But it's enough to stop you tripping over things, isn't it? That's all you need. With just that small circle of light, it's enough to help you see where your next step will be. And that's the power of it. Have a look at the direction words in our passage today. Uh, Feet, path, don't turn away, path, feet, path. Can you see it there? What's going on? Well, imagine with me. If you can take one step without tripping over, then you can take another step, can't you? And soon you're following a path. You've got direction. Point A to B, B to C, C to D. You're getting somewhere. Doesn't that ring true of how experience of life works? How life works? Step by step. Life doesn't usually happen in big quantum leaps. Even us going to Uganda isn't a quantum leap when you look at it. But it's made up of many small steps. As the jigsaw will show you, if you've heard that before. But back to the lamp. You may not be able to see the next 10 metres in front of yourself but you can still stand, you can still move. And that's what the psalm writer's getting at. One step at a time, each step is meaningful and purposeful. 
Because God's word is true to life. Do you want that life for yourself and for those you love? One of meaning and purpose? God's word will give it to us. For example, look at these. I'll just highlight these words. By reading God's words, the psalm writer is becoming wiser. Wiser than his enemies, and that's good to hear. So many enemies of Jesus for us these days, isn't there? Getting more vocal. In fact, God's wisdom is proving superior to all human wisdom, that of his teachers, of the elders. How's that happening? Well, he's, he says, I keep your precepts. He's understanding more of how life works as he puts into practice what he's learning. Does that sort of add up to a strange kind of arrogance? Well, I don't think so. He says, you yourself have taught me. He's aware that God is teaching him. God's wisdom is so much greater than his own, he's coming to realise. In fact, he says, I love your law. And how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey. It's bringing him a great joy. He says, as I meditate all the day, it is ever with me. Your testimonies are my meditation. All from reading and reflecting on God's word, our Bible. What a powerful light God's word is. What power there is in reading the Bible. Reading it on our own or with someone else, even a short time every day, bit by bit, step by step, we grow in godly wisdom. Is that your experience? And so what a nice little uh, package we get from this um, for um, how to read the Bible, what, to, what we can gain from the Bible by reading, reflecting, open ourselves up to being taught, whether it's in quiet time, Bible studies, sermons, podcasts, whatever, uh, we'll be transformed as we put it into practice and find great joy. Why wouldn't we read God's Word? But it gets even better. This powerful written Word of God in the Old Testament becomes audio and visual in the New Testament. And we start to see things really clearly. Well, that's why Mark wrote his Gospel. He sees Jesus show up and he's convinced that the people of his day are hearing God speak to them directly. Strike a light. He's the light of the world. He's God the Son speaking God's words to us. And so in chapter 8 in Mark, uh, our passage, Jesus is here giving sight to a blind man. Light to eyes, but we're going to see how he's bringing light to minds as well. Just as God's word was doing back there in Psalm 119. Margie's going to come and remind us of the blind man story. Jesus and his disciples came to Bethsaida. And while they were there, some people brought to him a man who was blind. And they begged him to heal him. Jesus spat on his eyes, laid his hands on him, and said to him, Do you see anything? The man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Jesus laid his hands on his head, and the man looked up, his sight was restored, and he could see everything clearly. 
So, the blind man enters. His friends bring him because Jesus knows that no one else can, has ever given sight to a blind person. They trust Jesus. The blind man himself, so vulnerable and helpless, yet he trusts Jesus and is given his sight. He saw everything clearly. Isn't that beautiful? So we talked in Bible studies during the week. Uh, several people said what they liked most about the story, and they said, the guy gets to see. <laughs> it's a beautiful story, beautiful event that happened all those years ago. But did you notice how Jesus healed him in two steps? First he sees people that look like trees, and then he sees everything clearly. What's that about? A bit of a power glitch on Jesus' part? Well, it's the only time he does a healing like that, and it's actually a really big clue as to what he's getting at and what Mark's getting at in this passage. When you look at the context around it, it becomes really beautifully clear. Uh, you can see some hints uh, on the passage. You can see I've just captured the last bit of the previous section where Jesus says, do you uh, understand? And you can see the heading of the next section, Peter confessing uh, Christ. And that's really important, that what comes before and what comes after, if we're to understand this. And I told the Bible study people I'd answer it today, so here's a, here's a go. Jesus purposely healed him in two stages. He healed him partially and then fully to illustrate two things. Negatively, that partial sight is frustrating and dangerous. Yes, it does come in handy to be able to tell the difference between trees and people. I've found that. don't know about you. But even more dangerous when we don't understand who Jesus is. Positively, he's saying seeing clearly is everything. Frustration and danger fall away when we can see clearly, especially when we understand clearly who Jesus is. So the context is powerful. It goes quickly like this. 5,000 people fed back in chapter 6. Five loaves of bread, two fish. The deaf, a deaf man is healed. See if you can stitch this together. 4,000 people are fed by Jesus off seven loaves of bread and a few fish. Then the Pharisees say, oh, we want to see a miracle. We just saw some miracles, dudes. The disciples then panic when they ran out of bread. And Jesus says, have your eyes and don't see? Do you have ears and not hear? You saw the miracles? You collected the bread afterwards for crying out. What are you panicking about bread? You're being... Hang in there, guys. Do you still not understand? Then Jesus heals the blind man. And straight after this, the focus shifts to Peter. And Jesus says to his disciples, Fellas, who do you reckon I am? Peter says, oh, you're the Christ, the promised king. Jesus says, yes, Peter, and I'm going to be arrested and killed and rise again. But Peter says, hang on a minute, Jesus, just back up the truck here a little bit. Die? What is this about? We'll have no more of that sort of negative talk going on, thank you very much. Jesus says, no, Peter. Have you eyes that you can't see? Peter was rejecting the very words 
that are the substance of our salvation. All of the events of the cross. How dangerous is that? To not understand that. And Jesus says to him, the influence of the Pharisees is getting to you, buddy. You're just like the blind man with partial sight. But I love you. And I'm going to help you see clearly who I am. Well, how's your vision? How clearly do you see Jesus? None of us see him clearly all the time, do we? It's like sometimes a fog comes in. We get distracted by busyness. Well, sometimes we get put off by the anger of our enemies, especially in the sexuality and abortion debates. We lose our reference point. We worry that being Jesus, about being Jesus people, that we've barked up the wrong tree, that we've got it all wrong sometimes. Other times, it's like we get captured in this shimmering mirage. Lookalikes distort our understanding. The Jehovah's Witnesses pay us a visit. Or superstitions take hold and we can't get our head out of the horoscopes. Or other religions and the devotion of other people of other religions tests our allegiance to Jesus. Sometimes in times of great stress, we withdraw into ourselves as if we're wearing some sort of space suit. And our vision becomes restricted. We lose sight of the very one who can deliver us from our self-protectiveness. Do you want to see Jesus more clearly? I know I do. The good thing is he's wanting us to see him more clearly for who he is. And he can make it happen. He did it for the blind man. He did it for Peter. He can do it for us. He loves us. But we've got to strike a light. We're going to read, reflect, be taught, be transformed, and then we'll find great joy in God's Word, the Bible. Why? Because that's where we find out that Jesus is that lamp the psalm writer spoke about. Only Jesus sheds a light brighter than the sun, exposing sin for what it is, revealing that we can never be good enough for God without Jesus, who broke the power of sin and death on the cross, illuminating the way into eternity, that it's by following him, trusting him every step of the way, that he'll lead us safely there. What a heartwarming promise for anyone who turns and trusts Jesus. Aussies, immigrants and refugees, Ugandans. But there's a danger, isn't there? The end of Mark chapter 8 says it all. It goes like this. Does it matter if we see Jesus clearly or not? Too right it does. Because if you don't understand who Jesus is, then you don't understand the cross. Then eventually you might not see the point of Jesus. And it's possible that you might eventually reject Jesus. And if that happens, the end of Mark 8 tells us, Jesus will reject us when he returns and eternal life will be taken away. That's horrific. But it can happen if we become disconnected from God's word. We're also at risk if our pastors don't teach carefully and prayerfully. We're so blessed to have thoroughly trained, trustworthy Bible teachers uh, like your Adam and Tinica and others who you've seen in this place over time and lay people. Right across our diocese, 
people who can't don't can't always don't. What am I trying to say? Who can't don't just teach well themselves, but can teach others to teach well. What a wonderful resource! But what if our pastors haven't been taught well to teach the Bible? How can they teach faithfully? Where will the lamp for feet and light for path be? Where will wisdom come from? How will we see Jesus clearly at the centre of the Bible and be saved from our sins? Who will we foolishly follow instead? Well, that's what our Ugandan friends are at risk of. They don't have the capacity to teach enough pastors thoroughly. So many of their people aren't hearing God's Bible, his word, taught clearly. They're not seeing Jesus clearly. They're not following him, rather like in the 1 Timothy reading. They're following anything that sounds good, and the very life they pursue is lost in a vain pursuit. And the gospel that Jesus, uh, the gospel of Jesus, of Jesus, that transformed that country and much of East Africa through the middle of last century, even through the years of dictatorship of Idi Amin and Abati, will have been preached in vain. It's been warned that the first generation believes the gospel, the second generation assumes the gospel. If that happens, the third generation forgets the gospel. We don't want to stand by and watch the Jesus who was believed in Uganda become the Jesus who was assumed and then forgotten. Not when we here in Australia have seen Jesus clearly for so long and experienced his transforming power in our lives and in the lives of so many. And that's what's driven this Armadale North Chigesi Diocese partnership all these years. Equipping gospel workers in Uganda. And all the more now that Bishop Patrick and now Bishop Bennon have, uh, have also invited us to help develop their Bible college. Like Bishop Bennon says, Christianity in our country is a mile wide but only an inch deep. Let's go the second inch. That's what stirs Margie's heart and my heart even though what we'll be doing is such a small drop in the ocean. Well, do you want to see Jesus clearly? Well, strike a light then. Let's open our Bible. Let's be Bible people as we live our lives. Then we'll be Jesus people. And he loves to reveal himself to us. And let's commit ourselves to helping others see Jesus clearly here in Inverell and in Uganda. Well, we've been forming partnership with you this week. Um, you're an official link parish. It's fantastic. Um, we hope that you'll get alongside us and help all of this happen. We hope that you've seen that the Lord is at work uh, and want to be a part uh, by remote control. When people say to you, what do you do at your church? You can say, well, we do all this stuff, this, 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 this. Oh, and we train pastors in Uganda. Andrew Magi are over there. Well, he's given us Bishop Bennon a great vision. He's put Margie in, the Lord has put Margie in iron place. He's drawn in the cross-cultural expertise of CMS. Will you add your prayer and care and money? We can't wait. Uh, we, we can't wait to see what God's going to do, but we certainly can't answer Bishop Bennon's call without working together. So if you could just take out the little card that you have with you at the... Uh, with you, that would be fantastic. I just want to explain what's on there. 
Um, here's the card, I've got a picture of it up here. Uh, that's the bit you stick on the fridge. That's what you do with Michos, you stick them on your fridge. And on this part of the card, on the right hand end of your card when you open it up, is a box called Pray. If you tick that, you'll get a newsletter that looks like that. And it has prayer points on it as well. Uh, if you'd like to support us by giving, you tick the other box and there's some options you can see there for uh, how you might go about that. Then, uh, to put a smile on Sarah's face up in our Brisbane office, uh, give some contact details so she can communicate with you if you'd like to uh, support us. Um, so, uh, if you're a computer person, uh, you can just uh, do it all on the website. CMS website. It takes about five minutes. Uh, but there's the card if you'd like to do that. Now we're collecting those cards today. They'll be over at morning tea. There's a box there or you can give them to us um, uh, before then. But we are leaving tomorrow so we need to take those cards with us. Uh, some of you have had a chance to think about this during the week. Sorry to rush those others of you. But if we could take those cards with us today, those of you who are able to uh, support us, then please put it in the box over there or give it to us and we'll send it off to Brisbane. But can I just finish by saying, Bishop Alfred Olwa said a couple of years ago, what you were doing with the Bible College is a tiny drop in the ocean, but it's a wonderful gift in this season. He said, if you invest in this, you are investing well. You're giving a new generation in Africa a really good tool to support the gospel. <laughs>